Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Wrestle Life Radio. This is episode number 51. So I was here for the milestone, episode 50, and I'm here again for episode 51. Uh, normally, I think you know by now, uh, I review SmackDown and uh, AEW, but I'm reviewing Raw this week. Uh, it's usually Matt's job, but of course, I'm coming to the rescue. Uh, actually, it was, it was a sad day. Um, over the weekend, Matt was killed during a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but luckily, he was revived a short time after, but he only had 50 HP, so he's at home recovering right now. So that's why I'm here. And Chris is also uh, at home, but he's just fine. He's just waiting on his Coach of the Year trophy for volleyball. Uh, the Academy of Sports told him that he won the award, and so he's waiting for it to come. But sadly, I think we all know that that award's never coming. Anyway, on with this day in wrestling history. A very important day, actually. In 2014, we saw the debut of Lucha Underground on the El Rey Network. Now, I don't know if Lucha Underground has actually been canceled, but it might as well be because I don't think there's another season planned anytime soon. Uh, half their talent felt like they were uh, being held hostage in their contracts. Um, so I'm pretty sure Lucha Underground is dead. But I have saw a couple episodes of this, and I think you at, at one point you could catch it on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's still on there. But... Man, one of it was a very innovative wrestling show. If you've never seen it and you get a chance to go check it out, I would recommend it because it had great wrestling, great lucha wrestling. It was very innovative. They were really the first ones to do the intergender matches the way that you know. I mean, now you see an impact with uh, Tessa Blanchard going up against um, Sammy Callahan. You see, you know, I mean, it's even happened a little bit in WWE. And we might see it one day in AEW, but I mean, Lucha Underground was really the first to, uh, I mean, there were some on the indie scenes, but Lucha Underground, at least on TV, was the first one to really do it. And some people, you know, kind of were iffy about it. And there were some things that you probably could have done without with intergender as far as like beating the crap out of women. But other than that, they were pretty innovative in that sense. They're also innovative in their, uh, their packages, like their, um, backstage or it was really just like a movie. It wasn't even like your typical, uh, your typical wrestling, you know, backstage scenario. They had like a story that was going through. I mean, the characters were like superheroes. They had special abilities and you know, it was just so interesting. And I saw it and I thought, man, if WWE wants to make movies like they claim they do, you know, with their stories and with these crazy storylines they do, this is something that they should look at. And maybe not completely adopt, but at least, you know, take it into consideration of something they can look at. But alas, they never did that. Uh, and Lucha Underground did not last. Uh, it was very expensive to film. Uh, it just, it had a season. So, it you know, they didn't really have house shows, I don't believe. They may have tried some here and there, but it just didn't really work. And it just eventually fizzled out. But actually on their first show, a notable main event, they had Johnny Mundo who you might know as Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact. Uh, he goes by Johnny Mundo somewhere, you know, I think a couple places nowadays, but Johnny Mundo versus Prince Puma. And you might know Prince Puma better as Ricochet. So he was actually in Lucha Underground before he was in WWE. And they were the main event of the first show. And it was a great match. Uh, Johnny Mundo ended up winning on the in the end of the match. Um, and man, they just had some really cool storylines with... Um, King Cuerno, I believe it was. Um, I don't remember everybody's name because it was obviously, you know, about five years ago when they debuted. Um, but it was really where we first saw, uh, like, um, in Helico, he was big on there. Ivelisse was big. Son of Havoc. Uh, oh, obviously, Pentagon and Phoenix, they were on that show. They were, that's pretty much where they start, you know, got their starting, uh, you know, kind of at least where they caught fire, not necessarily where they got their start, but. I think it was their first time on TV. They were on that show. Um, it's just a great show. It had a lot of talent and it's just a shame. It kind of went away so fast because it was so innovative. Uh, but yeah, if you get a chance, if, if it's still on Netflix, go check it out. Cause it was a great show. Uh, also 
not a day in wrestling history, but a day in my history or my family's history and a day in Matt's history. Matt's little brother, Micah, it's his birthday today. Oh, actually, sorry. It's Tuesday. Sorry to ruin the magic for you, but uh, <laughs> this is not Monday. This is Tuesday, Tuesday, October 29th. And that is the also the day in wrestling history. Um, but yeah, Micah Sin, who is Matt's brother, it's his birthday today. And so happy birthday, Micah. I know, Matt, if you were here, uh, still, you know, hoping he has a speedy recovery. Uh, he would also wish you a happy birthday. So if you're listening, Micah, happy birthday. Hope it's a good one. Also, before we actually get into the Raw review for this week, I wanted to touch on the Jordan Miles issue. Now, if you're not aware of what's kind of going on, I'll try my best. There, I mean, there's a lot of details to this story, so I might not get everything right. And I'm not going to go too far into this, so don't worry. <laughs> this is not going to be a, uh, you know, a racy issue uh, or anything, you know, on the show. But um, if you if you don't know, Jordan Miles is uh, former, formerly known as ACH. Uh, he is currently in NXT, and he came out on Twitter the other day and posted a picture of a t-shirt that had allegedly come out on the NXT shop um, or the WWE shop website that was for him. And it was basically his name in a shape that was meant to mimic a smile with uh, red lips, with his name as the teeth on a black background. Uh, and Jordan Miles and, I mean, many people, including myself, kind of saw this as, you know, possibly racist imagery. Now, you know, it's, it's hard to say of like what the actual intention of it was. Obviously miles was very, very offended by it, but I mean, it's, it's definitely a hard thing. And I'm really talking about it mainly because I'm going to give my perspective as a graphic designer. Um, first of all, it's not a good design. I mean, I'll come out and say it it's, and I'm probably pretty sure the designer will come out and say that as well. I mean, there's, there's times where we have hit misses, um, but as a designer, you should be able to look at something like that. And especially since it's happened pretty recently in other, you know, fashion, you know, media, I believe Gucci or somebody came out with a sweater not too long ago that had, it was a black sweater that had red lips on it. That was very similar to this kind of design. And I mean, they just got roasted for it. Um, you know, it was protested. So you should have an insight as a designer as to, I mean, you should always question these type of things, uh, look at it from any different angle you can. I mean, I work on a lot of stuff that, uh, for schools and um, stuff like that. And I worked on a graphic one time that I noticed uh, had nothing but white people in it. And so we actually pointed out like, hey, you might want to put some more diversity in this uh, unless you just plan on having an all white school. Uh, so they did. They're like, yeah, we didn't even notice. Um, and so, you know, that got corrected and we you were able to do that. But it's just so hard sometimes as, as a designer. And I would imagine in somewhere like WWE where it's such a fast paced environment. I mean, just look what comes on TV. You know, they constantly rewrite the shows. They're constantly, you know, working on stuff. I believe that they probably rushed this and it's not a creative solution at all to, you know, a logo for this guy. I mean, it's just not, it's just his name in, you know, it's supposed to be a mouth, which doesn't even make any sense. Um, and supposedly the original design was on a white shirt and miles um, and you know, as to what WWE, they released a statement and said that, you know, he was part of the process. They show, showed him, you know, concepts and he was along the process. Uh, and this is even backed up, not necessarily in miles case, but uh, Booker T I listened to his comments on it today. And he said, every one of his shirts from when he started in WWE in like the two thousands up until his hall of fame induction, He's gotten concepts and had, you know, seen approvals on all his shirts down the line. So he just knew, you know, that Miles had most likely seen this design, not necessarily in this final form, but Booker T said that it's something that you are involved in, you know, the entire way of the process. So and I'm not trying to say Jordan Miles is wrong for being offended by this or for being upset by it. He has every right to be. Um, you know, if he feels offended by this, it's his right to be, you know, um, I'm merely here. I believe, you know, I, you know, I think, like I said, he has every right to be upset and I'm not trying to say he's wrong for being upset. I think the way he went about it was wrong. Uh, he basically went on, you know, a Twitter rant. He posted the, uh, first of all, he posted the picture of the shirt and kind of went on a rant about it, which 
if that's the baseline of what you're going to do, you know, to voice your displeasure and maybe, you know, he voiced this displeasure to Triple H or, you know, some of the NXT people and they just shook it off. And that's maybe that's why he felt the need to go to social media. But, um, you know, if that were the case, maybe that's fine. But what he chose to do after that was call out the, de- the designer who put a screenshot of the email he sent, gave the guy's email and name out there, which, you know, as a designer myself, like even if I made a mistake of that, you know, magnitude, I mean, sometimes it's not always in our hands. It's not like this design is always our brainchild. Um, the designer at one point said that this is the one that Triple H liked. Maybe the designer didn't even like this. Maybe it's, you know, it was something that he, he kind of started with an idea and just got warped into this thing and he was just trying to get it done. And, you know, I don't know the scenario exactly, but it might not be in his hands. So for Miles to just call this guy out, uh, he said, uh, he wrote initials for uh, or an acronym for uh, go F yourself in this guy's name. And I was just I read that and I was like, that is totally unnecessary. Um, I mean, even if the guy made something that was like it could be seen as a racist design, doesn't mean the dude meant it intentionally. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean it's OK, but just call this guy out in this day and age to where he could you know, potentially lose his job now over, you know, something that could have been avoided. And I just feel like Miles handled this the wrong way. I mean, not only did he call out the designer, he called out Triple H events, which is fine. They're, you know, they'll take the heat, I'm sure, more than the, you know, the designer deserved heat for. But then he called out, you know, other, you know, superstars, even other African African American superstars like Jay Lethal. And I'm not gonna repeat what he said. I mean, but it was a terrible thing to say. And I mean, he just kind of, you know, slung dirt everywhere and you know, something that was totally unnecessary, like if he felt so offended and so, you know, betrayed that like, you know, I think there's better ways to handle it. And even Booker T said, I mean, Booker T, he's kind of staying out of it himself. Um, I'm sure he probably would have supported Miles, you know, initially, but I mean, this is, this is a business and it's, you know, a profession. And I mean, if I was upset with something at work, if I felt offended, if I just went and blast, you know, my bosses on, you know, Instagram or on Facebook or Twitter I mean, that's not the right way to go about it. You have to be professional. And, you know, like I said, he knew this, you know, t-shirt along the way. He probably, you know, had a feeling about this early on and said like, guys, this is kind of looking this way. Maybe you're not attending it, but let's see if we can do something different. Um, so I'm not, like I said, I'm not exactly clear on the entire story, but from what I've seen, it's just, and, and Miles even came out today and gave an apology um, on Instagram, he, he didn't directly apologize to anybody in NXT and WWE, but he kind of apologized saying that maybe he got him out of the wrong way. And, you know, I kind of think he did. I think he kind of slung dirt everywhere and, you know, just was extremely offended by this and thought, you know, this is how WWE thought of him. And he just went loose. And it's, and it's really a shame. I mean, I don't see how anybody wins in this situation because, I mean, you know, yeah, sure. WWE will, you know, they took, they'll take the shirt down. They'll think about this stuff in the future, but I mean, where's Miles career going to go from here? Uh, he's kind of, you know, burned a bunch of bridges by doing this. I don't see how he ever works. I mean, I don't think WWE's going to fire him because obviously that would be a huge lawsuit or something, um, over this, but I mean, does he, how's he going to continue on NXT with this? I mean, if you just put everybody on blast, like, are you going to push the guy now? Like, I mean, it just as a business, I, I'm not sure I would, you know, not just for any other reason than that. Like this guy just went off, you know, on something that probably could have been avoided. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. And then he kind of burned other bridges from other wrestlers. So I just didn't think he did himself any favors by doing this. Um, so that's how, and like I said, it's probably something that could have been avoided, probably something that wasn't intentional. Um, it's, it doesn't make it right, but probably something that could have been avoided. Um, before it became so public. So, you know, best of luck to Jordan miles. Um, hopefully it all works out for him. Hopefully, you know, WWE can see it from his point of view and treat him well and keep him as a superstar. We'll see what happens, but that's my take on it. Like I said, not getting too much into it, but that's just kind of my opinion on it, you know? Um, so yeah, I just think he kind of handled it the wrong way, but, um, yeah, best of luck to him for sure. Uh, but going into this raw review, um, you know, I've been keeping up with Raw the last couple of weeks. I've tried to avoid it since I'm not reviewing it now, you know, regularly, but I've definitely kept, you know, tabs on it. Um, but still, I mean, I've, I've said it many times, WWE's just been so stale lately. So let's, let's see, let's, let's get into Raw and see what this show is all about. Uh, obviously 
they've been promoting the big divorce court angle. Um, that's going to be in King's court with Lon and Rusev and Bobby Lashley. Uh, they also started the show by plugging, uh, Eric Rowan versus Seth Rollins in a falls count anywhere match. That was going to be the main event of the night. So that's how they kind of started the show. Uh, Paige came out at the beginning of the show, which we haven't seen her in a while. Um, Oh, actually before I get started, Paige, it actually reminded me, and I actually didn't mention this on the SmackDown review on Friday, uh, but Paige, we haven't seen her in a while on WWE TV, but before this, I did see her. She was on the uh, backstage or whatever it's called, uh, the new show that comes on after SmackDown. That's like the, you know, the kayfabe, you know, uh, breaking kayfabe or whatever, the shoot show that comes on after. And... <laughs> It was a very weird show. I'm not going to say I was a fan of it. Uh, it was just very strange for them to, I mean, really just be candid about the crap that they had been watching. <laughs> uh, it was very strange. Um, but Paige was on there. And I, one thing I did love, she came out right out and said, I mean, this is completely her opinion. This is not obviously not scripted by WWE or anything. She just came out and said, you know what, this burn it down thing is just getting on my nerves essentially is what she said. She said, you know, Seth Rollins, he it's like fetch. He's trying to make it happen and it's never going to happen. And I laughed so hard. I was not really enjoying this show because it's just so strange to have a, you know, a fake wrestling show that, you know, you're supposed to suspend disbelief and then right after uh, just, you know, rail into it for it being so unbelievable and all the stuff. But I thought those comments by Paige were great. <laughs> she hates burning it down just like everybody else. I'm pretty sure. Um, but people still chant it too, I guess. So who knows? Uh, but she starts off the show here coming out. Uh, she says that she's advertising a certain team and was happy to be a small part of their success. And then brought out Oscar and Kyrie Sane, who are the WWE women's tag team champions. Basically Paige came out, uh, put over the team. She said, you know, she six months ago she started this team and could have blown up in her face, but which you know was ironic. She said it could have blown up in her face, but you know she was glad it was successful. But it was so weird hearing this because it's like, yeah, you came out like six months ago, and uh, like the last month you've been nowhere. <laughs> I mean, she's basically done with them before they even turn heel. They were still baby faces, and she was not with them. So, I mean, they were losing without her. Then they ended up turning heel and winning without her. And now she's just back out here for God knows what reason. Um, who knows? But she's, well, actually I do know because essentially she put them over, but Oscar snatched the mic away from her and started screaming in Japanese. And Paige was like, okay, that's fine. She took the mic back. And before she could say anything, Kyrie Sane grabbed the mic from her and said something else. And then Paige tried to grab the mic from her and dropped it. And so she turned to pick it up. And Oscar blew green mist on her face and the crowd booed Paige immediately, uh, you know, got out of the ring. She was like yelling, Oh, I can't see. I can't see. Give me some water. Give me some water. And these dumb referees, there's like four or five people out there, like referees, officials, security. They come out there with a towel. They've got a, like a squirt bottle of water. And she's saying, give me some water. I can't see. And these idiots are just like squeezing this water on the towel and it's like, have you ever worked in like a real workplace before guys? Like, or just, do you not have any common sense at all? Like if there's something in your eyes, you spray it with water to flush it out. You don't put the water on a paper towel and then scrub your eyes with said paper towel. These guys were such idiots. <laughs> and not only did they just squirt water on a paper towel, it took forever to do it. Like Paige had to repeatedly tell them, give me some water, you idiots. And even King was on commentary. Give her some water. Uh, it's so dumb. <laughs> anyway, they uh, while she's trying to get water in her eyes, uh, Becky Lynch comes out and attacks Kyrie Sane, and the crowd goes crazy for her. Uh, Sane. Obviously, has a one-on-one match with Becky Lynch scheduled, so Sane you know, retreats out of the ring, and then she kind of went for both, you know, Kyrie Sane and Oscar. But then they um, started getting the better of Lynch, but uh, she was able to fight up, fight him off as they went to the commercial break, uh, we come back and it's obviously Becky versus Kyrie Sane in a one-on-one match with Oscar on the outside. Uh, the announcers did mention though, that, um, Kyrie Sane was one of the few people to beat Becky Lynch in 2019, um, as well as Oscar. So at least they mentioned that. So that's good. <laughs> they also mentioned, uh, I believe it was Dio 
when uh, Oscar sprayed Paige in the face with the green mist. Like one of the first thing he said was, we don't know where the green mist comes from, but we know it burned your eyes. And I was just like, uh huh. Okay. Listen here, Dio. <laughs> you don't know where it comes from. Okay. Where have we seen this before? We've seen a uh, great Muda. He did it. Um, Tajiri. He's been in WWE. He's done it. Now Kairi Sane's doing it. I'm sure there's been other Japanese stars and I mean, they're all have Japan in common. So, uh, just by, you know, common denominator here, Dio, you could probably guess it probably has something to do with Japan. I don't know. Just my thought. So he said that. And actually, I'm pretty sure later on in the match, he even said, well, we do know the green mist comes from Japan. What? <laughs> Make up your mind, dude. Do you not know where, do you not know where it comes from or what? Like figure it out. Anyway, basically this is a good match uh, between Lynch and uh, Kyrie Sane here. Uh, Lynch was basically in control for a while. She went for a disarmor, but Sane was able to roll to the outside. And then Lynch went out and uh, got distracted by Asuka. And Sane threw her, kicked her into the steel steps. And that's what kind of put Lynch down. They went to commercial break. Uh, after the break, uh, Lynch was able to kind of come back with some kicks, some strikes, hidden uh, exploiter suplex, got a two count. Um, Lynch, went for a, Lynch went for a suplex and uh, Sane was able to hit uh, DDT for a near fall, which was awesome looking DDT. Uh, Lynch was able to dodge a foot stomp attempt and she hit a leg drop from uh, the middle rope for a near fall. She uh, knocked Asuka down a ring apron at one point. And then Sane hit her with a dirty, nasty looking back elbow or the Judas effect. Um, it was, it looked really good. She hit her solid. <laughs> so Lynch went down, um, but only got it. She only got a near fall. And then, uh, Lynch was able to catch her and got her in the disarmor and got the submission win. Um, it was a little strange because Sane went down. Uh, it looked like she might've been waving her arm or something. And then she kind of held her hand out. Like she was going to like tease a tap out, but then the ref just rang the bell. Um, I think he, probably thought she had tapped or maybe she was slapping the mat around and he thought as like an immediate tap, but the timing was just kind of weird on it. Cause it was just happened very quickly. And it kind of like saying was trying to actually sell it longer, but anyhow, either way, Becky won with his summer here. Um, and he, Kyrie say was actually even on the ground at one point, like kicking her and Lynch, like acting like she's going to kick her again. It was like, go ahead. And she went over to the corner and celebrated. Um, after this, they uh, we went to another commercial break, but they let us know that our truth uh, versus Buddy Murphy was next, which was kind of strange. Um, and actually, truth, I forget, he came out uh, to his entrance before the actual break. It was singing the "What's Up with the Crowd," which was so weird because he's done so much of the twenty four seven, you know, forty eight hour whatever uh, title. He he's just done so much of that. I haven't actually heard him come out like a normal superstar in a long time. And, you know, hearing him sing his theme music and the crowd singing it with him, um, they were into it. So he was still pretty over. Um, but basically we come back from the commercial break and Charlie's in the ring to interview him. Uh, he basically did some comedy stuff. Uh, was actually real dumb, put on a pair of glasses so he could keep both pair of eyes on the sing brothers. Um, I really didn't hear all of what he said because my girlfriend was sitting on the couch watching this part with me and she was just baffled at how dumb truth was acting. So, um, she, I don't think she was a very big fan of him, but Murphy interrupted, uh, came out and said he wasn't paying attention to him. Um, or he was annoyed that truth wasn't paying attention to him. And Murphy said that he wouldn't forget him after tonight. Uh, this match, it was buddy Murphy truth, basically a nothing match. They started wrestling, um, and really, before anything really got going, the Singh brothers ran out. Everybody's chasing them. All the losers in the back going for the 24-7 title. They're chasing them around the ring. And then Truth got out of the ring because he got all caught up in the, uh, you know, he wanted to get the belt. So he ran out. And they're all just running. Just try to picture this if you didn't see it. It's the two Singh brothers with the belts running, not even fast. They're like trotting around the ring. And all these losers are trotting behind them. And they're just doing circles around the ring. So no none of these morons think to just stop and turn around and probably clothesline the Singh brothers. And they almost lapped each other. They're just running around in a circle around the ring and truth slides out of the ring and just jumps in line. And they all start going out, you know, doing the circle. 
and then suddenly he's just like, Oh, I'm not, I guess I'm not getting anywhere in this circle, you know, marathon we're doing. So he just slides back in the ring all of a sudden and buddy Murphy hit him with a knee strike and pinned him. And that was it. So after that, the Singh brothers, you know, just ran through the crowd and everybody chased him. Uh, we go to another commercial break. Uh, this is really stupid. It was pointless. Um, I think they're trying to get Buddy Murphy some wins. Uh, I'm guessing Heyman likes him and wants to give him some wins, which I think is good because I like him. Uh, but this is not the way to do it when you got all these losers running out here interrupting the match. He needs to have good matches like he did with, um, I believe it was, was it Ollie or was it with Cedric? I think it was with Cedric. I can't remember. It was the draft thing that they did. But he needs to have more matches like that where he can come out and showcase what he does. Um, and then we had another AO, uh, AOP promo, um, half of it in English, half in another language. They said they would own the tag team division. So it's fine. It's the same promo they've been cutting for like the last month. So I'm ready to see him wrestle. I'm just, you know, tired of the same promo. Uh, then the street poppers came out for a promo and this is actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> it was funny. And, uh, I'm not accusing anybody of, you know, racism here, but uh, my girlfriend definitely thought that this was private party. Uh, they do, you know, for her, in her defense, they have very similar entrances and a look and really similar characters. So I don't blame her at all. It's not, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm going to go just address that initially. Uh, they are very much like private party. So that's who she thought it was at first when they came out. But I had to correct her because uh, they ran through the crowd. They kind of party with everybody. It was a good entrance. The crowd, you know, got behind them. Um, you know, they, all the crowd started chanting, we want smoke. So that was good. Uh, they got in the ring and basically talked about beating the OC last week with the help of Kevin Owens. Um, they cut a pretty good promo here. So, I mean, they're over, you know, it, it wasn't like the best promo in the world, but it was good for what it was. Um, and they, I thought they were going to have a match because it reminded me kind of when Enzo and Cass would come out when they were kind of over and they would hype up the crowd before their match and kind of get them into it. And then somebody would come out and they'd beat them, but no, they just cut their promo and left. So they, they kind of started a, we want smoke chant and exited through the crowd. And that was kind of awkward, but uh, fine for what it was, I guess. Um, basically after that, we go into the second hour of the show, Ricochet versus Drew McIntyre. This was a long match. It was a good match, but it was pointless. And the ending was horrible. Um, these two obviously wrestled last week, and I guess these are like the only two Team Hogan and Team Flair members that can wrestle on Raw because like half the other teams on SmackDown. But um, basically, Flair and Hogan came out, made their entrances, and you know then Ricochet came out. Announcers kept plugging in him being a real life superhero, even at one point telling him to bring out his superpowers. And I was just like, I'm so over the superhero stupid gimmick. Like, just let him be Ricochet. Like, let him be cool. He's not a superhero. He's not a real life superhero. Quit trying to say he is. Nobody cares. Nobody likes it. Uh, Drew McIntyre made his entrance. Um, but before he even got to the ring, Ricochet hit a flip dive on him and wiped him out. Basically got on him quick. Um, you know, was attacking him, threw him in the ring, and the ref started the match. Uh, he goes for another dive. He had a springboard move, uh, but McIntyre did eventually grab him at one point and catch him and dropped him rib first over the top rope. And they kind of sold. He, he was wearing athletic tape on his ribs, saying his ribs were injured last week. Um, so McIntyre basically took over the match from here, uh, just worked on his ribs the whole time. One of the best things about this match uh, was McIntyre. He hit a Hogan leg drop at one point. He got in Hogan's face. He was doing the the muscle like you know, pumping his muscles and posing and pointing at Hogan and Hogan was just giving him this look like, Oh brother, <laughs> the whole time. It was hilarious. Uh, he had a razor's, razor's edge at one point. And this is when he did the Hogan pose. Um, it was just hilarious. It was so good. He, he basically stayed in control of the whole match. Um, but eventually Ricochet was able to power uh, or counter um, a buckle bomb. Um, and it basically turned it into a Hurricane Rana Ricochet followed up with an enziguri drop kick. He had a springboard clothesline at one point, a lion salt, got a near fall. Um, <laughs> at this point, Lawler said uh, Ricochet was making him believe in superheroes and uh, encouraging him to use his superpowers. So 
that's still going. And like I said, it's just stupid. So, but uh, Ricochet, you know, was able to, you know, take some offense, but then uh, McIntyre was able to get an elbow on him and hit a, uh, the Alabama slam, the inverted one that looked like it just, Ricochet takes this move so well. Like it just, he just gets flattened by it every time. Um, basically, you know, McIntyre went for a suplex at one point um, off the turnbuckle, but uh, Ricochet caught him with a kick. He went for a splash and landed on his feet after uh, Ricochet moved. I mean, uh, McIntyre moved. And then this is where the match ended and where it just became instantly stupid. Randy Orton slid in the ring and gave Ricochet a flying KO or RKO for the DQ. Now, you could say, well, Kyle, Randy Orton's the heel. And, you know, they, they want to. They don't want to give Ricochet the win here because that'll be 50-50 booking. Uh, but they also don't want to beat McIntyre. So, of course, Randy Orton's going to come in. They're the heels. It makes sense. You know, he's going to RKO Ricochet and, you know, because he was about to win this match. First of all, by no means was he about to win the match because he didn't hit the splash. Uh, McIntyre boomed out of the way. So the match is still going. Ar- you know, Randy Orton comes in, hits the RKO. Um, not, but I forgot to mention this was in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, do you know who's from St. Louis, Missouri? That's right. Randall Orton. He is from Missouri. So when he comes in the ring and uh, is supposed to get the heel heat here and you know be the bad guy, the crowd erupts and celebrates at him killing Ricochet, the real-life superhero. So that did Ricochet no favors. Um, basically, the crowd's gone crazy. They're chanting for Randy, RKO. They're all taunting Hogan, McIntyre one point. Uh, they basically dump Ricochet out of the ring like a sack of garbage, which just makes him look fantastic. And uh, McIntyre points at Hogan at one point and said, uh, I forget what exactly he said, but he basically did the, you are done for or something. I forget what it was. <laughs> but he was just making fun of Hogan the entire match. And that actually is going to bring me to the return of my weekly segment, because on this show, I'm going to go ahead. I'm not reviewing SmackDown this week. You know, I'm not going to give it on AEW. I'm going to go ahead and give it because I really enjoyed this. I'm going to give the brass ring to Mr. Drew McIntyre because he was awesome in this match. Uh, he looked like a star. Ricochet sure didn't, but just even him mocking Hogan the entire time was great. I mean, I think even the crowd was liking it at one point and was kind of, you know, they weren't booing, you know, booing the crap out of uh, McIntyre for sure. Uh, and, you know, it was good matches up until the ending. So, hey, I'm giving it to McIntyre this week. He He's getting the brass ring. I love him. Uh, I hope he I hope he wins the uh, the match for Team Flair. And I hope they do good things with him on Raw. So after this match, AJ Styles and the OC are in the back. And they run into Umberto Carrillo. And uh, Styles basically tells him he thought it was cool. He made his debut against Rollins. But he said, if you want to prove yourself, you did it against the wrong champion. You should do it against me, the top champion. So uh, Styles basically challenged him for a mask uh, later tonight. And Carrillo looked interested. He didn't say anything, but he looked interested. So I assumed at this point that they would have a match. (laughs) So Styles walks off. Um, After this, we have Matt and Chris's favorite, the Viking Raiders squash match is back. Uh, but now they're baby faces, so sh- yay. <laughs> Whatever. Who cares? Uh, it was really dumb because, obviously, I said before, they're in St. Louis, Missouri, and that is the hometown of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, they had Rizzo and Bryant, two jobbers that are out here dressed as Chicago Cubs. I don't know for what reason. My cousin is actually a big Cardinals fan. He's a big uh, St. Louis sports fan. He was a big fan of the St. Louis Rams, but uh, is no longer their fan because they moved out of the city. But he gave his opinion after I told him about this, and he said uh, it'd be better if they were dressed in Rams uniforms. So I'll take his word for it. But it doesn't really matter what they would were wearing at all because uh, Eric and Ivar basically just destroyed these guys. I actually did think that Rizzo and Bryant were AJ and Carl Anderson at first because he had long hair and one of them had short hair. But they're just basically destroyed. Viking Raiders win in about like a minute or two minutes. They hit the Viking experience. Same old squash matches back. But hey, at least they're baby faces now, so it works a little bit better. 
Um, after this, we had Andrade versus Sin Cara again. Sure, why not? I mean, they tried to kind of put over Sin Cara last week, but then he lost, so whatever. But it's going to be different this week because before the match, Charlie Caruso talked to Sin Cara. It's, he asked, because, you know, Zelina Vega cost him the match last week. How is Sin Cara going to counteract, him this, or counteract her this week? And how is he going to beat Andrade with Selena? And Sin Cara said he has a plan. And he announced and debuted Catalina, who is actually uh, from NXT. And she's wearing a mask here. I don't think she's always worn a mask. She's been without a mask a little bit in NXT, but she's wearing a mask here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if she comes back after this because they called her Catalina at one point, but her graphics said Carolina or Carolina, or whatever. And I'm pretty sure the announcers also had her mixed up. One of them were calling her Catalina, the other one Carolina or Carolina. So I don't think they knew what her name was. Um, maybe she's not going to be back if they don't can't even know her name. Um, so basically this was, you know, the same match they had last week, just a lot shorter. Um, near the end of the match, Vega tried to, you know, get up and distract, you know, the, um, distract the referee or, you know, get herself involved in the match again, like she did last week. But Hey, this week, Sankara has an ace in the hole. Remember he, he's got Catalina out there to, you know, help him uh, neutralize Vega. So he doesn't have to worry about it. So she gets up on the apron and who comes over there? Catalina right on time. She grabs her, slams her down to the barricade. You know, she takes care of her, you know, Sankara, he's got it in the bag. Now he, he should have no problem. Oh, wait. No, he doesn't. Because this moron, this moron, while Catalina is doing her job and getting rid of Selena Vega so she isn't a distraction, is now a distraction to Sin Cara. Because he comes over there to the side of the ropes while she's like beating her up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, way to go, Catalina. You're doing your job. Awesome. Isn't she great? He's like clapping. He's right, you know, cheering her on. Yeah. And what happens? He gets caught in a roll up by Andrade, who gets the pinfall. <sighs> this was so stupid. Um, and that is why, in the very next segment, or not the very next segment, but one of the next segments, I am giving Sin Cara the future endeavor of the week. Because, my God, <laughs> you had two shots at this. First time, you knew Selena Vega was out there. And you know what? It's fine. It's two on one, basically. And she interfered. She got the best of you. You lost. So you're like, you know what? I got a plan. I got it. I'm going to have an ace in the hole. I've seen it done before. I need somebody at my, you know, to be my you know, partner, have my back at ringside. It's going to be Catalina. She's going to do her job. And you know what? You were right, Sankar. She did her job. But you stupid idiot. The whole reason Zelina is out there is to be a distraction. She's either going to distract the referee or going to distract you or distract somebody. And you have Catalina out there to take care of this girl. So you don't have to worry about her. And you like an idiot, go over to the ropes and cheer her on. You, you have Andrade beat, you have him down. He's hurt. And you, you know, take your eyes off him and go stand by the ropes to cheer on Catalina. And you deserve this to lose this match. You idiot. If they, if they come back and have like a tag match and Sin Cara wins, or they try to make Sin Cara win out of this feud at the end, I'm going to be so mad because this guy is an idiot. He should not win this. He should just go on back to being a jobber because he looks so stupid here. Anyway, moving on from that, we had Charlotte Natalia versus the Iconics next. They actually showed Charlotte Natalia walking together backstage before they went to a commercial break. So I guess they're friends now. They weren't at one point. Who knows? They're back as being friends. I, hey, far be it from me to question their friendship because obviously Natalia, she can forgive and forget quicker than anybody because, hey, you know she had a blood feud with Lacey Evans and threw her through a table and then the week after said she respected her and made her her tag partner who is now on SmackDown berating people and saying they're not worth her time. But whatever. Natalia is that good of a soul she can forgive and forget. So now Charlotte's her best friend. Sure. We'll believe that. Uh, basically, uh, this was a pretty average, you know, women's tag match. Nothing special here. Um, the Iconics actually did put up a fight at one point and looked 
pretty comparable, not completely jobbers. You know, they, they've been on several WWE matches before, but they actually look pretty good here uh, until Natalia locked in a sharpshooter on Billy Kay and Peyton Royce ran in and got speared by Charlotte and Natalia made Billy Kay tap out and Natalia and Charlotte won. So are they going to be feuding at some point? Maybe they're building them up for Kyrie Sane and Asuka. Who knows? But Charlotte and Natalia hugged after the match, and that was the end of it. So after that, we had a promo with Seth Rollins, uh, who got booed by the uh, crowd. Charlie was talking to him. This is also dumb. I mean, this was almost, if Sakara wasn't so stupid, this could have almost won the future endeavor again because this guy is just so dumb. First, he comes up there and says, uh, he quotes Mark Henry and says, this is what I do. And I was just like, first of all, of all the people to quote, you're going to quote Mark Henry. And I mean, wasn't Mark Henry's catchphrase, like, you know, the house of pain or something like when is, this is what I do was his big catchphrase. Did I miss something? I don't remember that anyway. So he says, he quotes Mark Henry of all the people. And then he basically says, I'm not stupid. I knew when I burned down the Firefly Funhouse, they knew it would eventually come back. And it did. So, why did you burn it down? <laughs> if you knew it was going to come back, and not only that, you said, he also said at one point in this interview, that the Firefly Funhouse is back, and that means the Fiend is more powerful than ever. <laughs> okay. So, let me get this straight. I mean, you guys can't see this, but I'm uh, I'm uh, rubbing my forehead vigorously and uh, trying to get rid of this massive migraine I have. Um, you let me get this straight, Seth. You burned down the Firefly, Firefly Funhouse, and you seemed to know that it was going to make Bray Wyatt, aka the Fiend, stronger and probably pretty angry. So you're already terrified of him. You piss your pants every time you see him, but you're going to go and burn his house down to which you know he's going to build back. And you also know that it's going to make him stronger and more dangerous. You idiot. (laughs) What a moron. Like, how does this make any sense? They, they, the crowd was booing him the entire time when he showed up. They booed him even louder when he even mentioned burning down the Firefly Funhouse. Like, this is how they got over their top babyface. I mean, talk about Roman Reigns 2.0, uh, and he might even be worse. Like, this is almost as dumb as, you know, suffering Succotash. Like, just dumb. Like, this makes absolutely no sense. Anyway, so after this, uh, we have Seth Rollins, the Beast Slayer, the idiot, going up against Eric Rowan in a non title Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, this was a 15-minute match. Uh, it also seemed to be uh, WWE's answer to AEW's awesome uh, brawl that they had in the concourse uh, last week with Cody Rhodes and Jericho. That was so awesome. Uh, this one is okay. Uh, it really just came off like they were copying them because uh, basically the match started in the ring. Uh, they basically went up to the concourse. There was like merchandise stand with no fans at it. The, I mean, you know, it wasn't like AEW where there were kind of fans standing around. It, you know, it was blocked off. So it looked very set up. Um, Rowan and Rollins, you know, brought around for a while. They go to a commercial break and uh, we come back from the break and they're just all the way back in the ring. So that was that. <laughs> it's like they teleported too. I mean, it was a pretty long commercial break, but still, they were like all the way up into the concourse on the second floor of the arena. And then they just teleport back to the ring. You know, I mean, you would have never known they'd gone to the concourse area. If you had just tuned in at this point, if you were, you know, you know, of course nobody's turning, tuning into the third hour anymore, but um, you know, if you happen to tune in on the third hour and came back into this commercial break, you'd never know that they were in the concourse. Um, but basically they got back in the ring and Seth Rollins did his thing hitting, you know, consecutive dives he goes eventually for another dive and Rowan's hit him with the steps. Rowan slammed him on the uh, ring post and, you know, got a two count, tried to um, choke slam the announce table, but 
Rollins landed on his feet and hit the curb stop on the table for a two count. So the curb stop is now officially a weak finishing move because everybody's kicking out of it. And it was even on a table, which is usually somehow worse than, you know, hitting it in the ring. Um, but Hey, Rowan kicked out of it. Uh, they fought to the back and Rowan's tried to kill uh, Rollins with a equipment box, but Rollins was able to duck it and uh, he hit him with a ladder. Rollins got a curb stomp on the ladder, but instead of going for the cover, which is probably pretty smart because he knows, Hey, this finisher's not beating anybody at this point. He goes over to forklift. He starts yelling at a forklift guy. He's like, Hey, Hey, do you know how to work this thing? Get over here. You know, turn it on, turn it on. He just yelled at him, turn it on. And he finally gets turned on. The forklift guy starts lowering the forklift and the pallet that's on it slowly down and growing. Who's like not even knocked out. He's just kind of laying there. Doesn't think to roll out of the way as this thing is coming slowly down on top of him. So it goes down on top of him, pins him to the ground, and Rollins jumps on top and pins Rowan. Um, the referee counts three, and I guess he wins. I mean, maybe the forklift guy won. He's the one that dropped the pallet on him. So who really won this match? Or maybe the pallet won it. I mean, or maybe it was a forklift. Actually, I think the pallet, the forklift goes in between the pallets. So the pallet's on top. And so I think the pallet went there. Yeah. I'm thinking way too much about this. Basically, Seth Rollins got awarded the victory here. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, fine. It was, you know, whatever. It was, you know, Falls County were matched to have one. Like I said, I think it was the answer to AEW's brawl that they had. But, you know, it was just okay match. Um, after this match, we had Alistair Black in the back, uh, with another, I'm hiding in this room promo. And it's just very, I hate when they make a guy like Alistair Black cut this kind of promo because it's all written for him. It's written by these stupid writers who they can't even get. So he says the definition of madness was doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, which is incorrect. Um, but also that's not even the right, you know, cliche of like what people I've heard this said, this quote said many times recently, and it's not madness. It's insanity. It's like, I don't know if they're like avoid trying to avoid plagiarism or something by doing this, but the quote is that everybody's saying that the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again, expecting different results. Where did they get madness from? I mean, it's similar, I guess, but not the same word. Everything else is the same. They just change one word in it. Um, I mean, neither of the, you know, neither of it is the real definition, but you know, that's the, that's the saying that people have been saying, but like I said, it's been insanity, not madness. So at least I've never heard it been used as madness. Basically it doesn't matter. He says all his outcomes have been the same and he doesn't want to change them. He said he's not a madman, and he warned that his next opponent would get their head kicked off, which, um, would be murder. So please don't do that, Alistair. I like you. Do not kick their head off. Leave it attached to their person. Um, after that mat or after that segment, we had AJ Styles versus Umberto Carrillo. Now they came out, and we were actually talking about this actually before the match happened uh, in our you know wrestle life you know group that we talked to each other, Matt actually came out and said, if AJ loses his match tonight, I'm going to be furious. Now I'm here to say, I kind of disagreed with Matt here. I didn't actually say it in the chat at the time, but I was, I read it. And I was kind of thinking like, you know, if they want to get Umberto over, obviously he probably shouldn't be the champion in his first match last week against Rollins. But Hey, if you want to put the kid over, I mean, look at private party getting put over the young bucks. We talked about how that was so great, you know, and building, you know, at least putting over private party to kind of, you know, try to create stars or, you know, Darby Allen on AEW, making him kind of trying to make him a star. If Paul Heyman or whoever is, you know, writing this for Umberto, if they want to make him a star, like they they're trying to do by putting him with good guys, he needs to beat somebody. So I was kind of hoping that he would beat AJ here. And I think it would work because, I mean, I know Matt hates champions losing, but hey, look at this this way. 
AJ and the OC are heels. They could do something to screw themselves over. I mean, maybe OC tries to intervene. Umberto is smart and counters it. And, you know, it causes AJ to lose something. It gives Umberto a legit win. It makes you realize, oh crap, this guy's good. He just beat AJ Styles. And, you know, it's it's the thing that they didn't do with Cedric. Cedric got in there and what happened? He got beat by AJ. So that clearly didn't get Cedric over. So if they want to get Umberto over, I think he should beat AJ here. Uh, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't beat him here. Uh, Matt got his wish. Basically, the match uh, happened. Umberto was all over Styles at the beginning of it. Um, but we got a commercial break. Um, AJ Styles dodged a charge and uh, drove him into the barricade and hit a tornado DDT, which was awesome. Uh, we go to the break and, or we come back from the break. Carrillo goes, you know, is trying to uh, get back on, you know, the offensive here. He gets Styles with a kick, a drop kick, a missile drop kick. He goes for the Aztec press. He hits it and gets a two count. Um, then AJ Styles got up, countered, and hit a reverse DDT. Also got a two count. So, I mean, it's pretty good match going so far. Styles goes for a phenomenal forearm, but Carrillo knocked him off the rope and hit a moonsault, which is an awesome-looking moonsault, hit him for a near fall. And, you know, he had you know great facials here. He was selling. He couldn't believe it. King was in the match saying, like, I know you can't believe it, but you got to get back on him. Like, you know, the announcers were into this match. Um, they had been quiet up to this point, but the crowd was starting to get into it here. That You know, once he hit that moonsault, you know, and he got a near fall, like the crowd was in the match. So they kind of got into it at this point. Carrillo came off the top rope. Um, Styles basically got him in midair and uh, got the cat crusher, and he immediately tapped out. So the crowd started getting into it, and then he got tapped out. And, like, I don't know if he meant to do it or somebody told him, but he immediately also started tapping out after he got the cat crusher put on, which doesn't, you know, make – I mean, if you're going to tap out, at least fight through it for a little while. It didn't help his cause that he just, like, immediately tapped out. but. After the match, uh, Styles actually offered a handshake. OC got up on the apron and, you know, kind of were like, yeah, go ahead, shake his hand. And Carrillo was like hesitant for, you know, you know, for obvious reasons. The fans were telling him, no, like, don't do it. And he kind of started to go for a handshake, but Styles immediately pulled it back. They wouldn't accept it. Um, so Carrillo looks kind of dumb here. But to his credit, he did respond by punching Styles in the face. <laughs> so that worked for him. But uh, basically, Styles kicked his leg out from under him. And those he got in the ring, they all beat up on him. Styles hit him with a Styles Clash. And they basically kept putting the beating on him until the Street Profits came out and made a save. I enjoyed the match. I, like I said, I kind of wish Umberto would have won here. Uh, I don't know if this helps him. Uh, maybe they'll set up a match with Street Profits and Umberto versus OC next week, and then he can win. I think he needs to get a win. Uh, if he's going to be taken seriously, at least against somebody. He can't l- come out here and just lose and expect to be over. So, I mean, maybe he'll win in this tag match next week if they do that. So we will see. But that's kind of where I feel that they're going. So finally, we're at the end of the show. They've been teasing it all show long. This is the big segment segment of the show. King talked about it mul- multiple times that, uh, which funny enough, they, they advertised it all day or, you know, I think they started advertising it last week. They were calling it divorce court. That's what they were advertising it as. That's what it said everywhere that I saw it. But during the show, they would pull up the graphic. It said divorce court. And it was basically the King's court graphic with a big divorce stamp on it. So, you know, divorce court. But King <laughs> kept calling it King's court. He's like, join me tonight in my segment, King's court. But tonight it might turn into divorce court. And I was like, okay, well, which one is it? Because the graphic that you're showing me and what you've been telling me all week was this is going to be divorce court. So they kept teasing a divorce, but whatever. Basically, um, Rusev came out. He had a suit on, had a smile on his face for some stupid reason. Uh, I like Rusev, but he looked really goofy doing this. <laughs> He's grown his beard out a little bit more, so it's not just the you know the mustache going on. Lana comes out. She's wearing a blue dress, looking very, you know, very beautiful. Um, Rusev is smiling at her the whole time. She's coming out, and it's just like, okay, she's like, you found her with another man last week. You went to jail 
for this woman. You know, you beat up a guy last week, went to jail. You've seen her actively like cheating on you. This, you know, inviting another man into your house, wearing your robes, and you're just going to smile at her while she's walking down the ring. <sighs> Not looking good for Rusev. So Lawler starts off by mentioning that Rusev's still wearing his wedding ring and that he wants to work things out. The crowd uh, did not agree with this. I don't think anybody in their right mind would agree with this because obviously Lana has been terrible to Rusev. So, I mean, divorce seems pretty obvious here or a split or something. Um, so Rusev still says that he wants to work things out. Lana says she wasn't going to uh, air their dirty laundry in public, but was tired of the fans going after her. The fans started booing her. She tells them to shut up. Um, she's here to tell them the truth. <laughs> Lana said their marriage was only about one thing. It was one thing that Rusev wanted, and it was the only thing Rusev wanted, which was to have sex with her. <laughs> and then Rusev says, well, can you blame me? <laughs> and immediately, to my surprise, but kind of not to my surprise, the crowd immediately, immediately starts popping for Rusev. They love the fact that this guy is addicted to sex. <laughs> Lana's out here saying that Rusev wanted to have sex in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, at the doctor's office, at the arena, in the locker room, everywhere. Called him a sex addict. And the crowd is just going nuts. They're like, yeah, right on Rusev. They're just cheering him on. Like, this dude's awesome. Like, <laughs> they, they weren't too sure about him before, but now they're on his side. They're like, yeah, dude, you're a sex addict. You're the man. Do a Lana everywhere. But oddly enough, when he was actually pretty fine with this, like he said, can you blame me? Until Lana called him a sex addict. And that's what pissed him off. <laughs> that's what got him serious. Like, it wasn't the man that was, you know, she invited into his home to wear his clothes and stay in bed and make out with her on live TV and on stage and, you know, whatever. Make out with her in a restaurant. Get him put in jail. It wasn't all that stuff. It was when she called him a sex addict. Even when he said, can you blame me for wanting to have sex with all, all the time? <laughs> Whatever. Then Lana goes on to say all he wanted was to impregnate her. But Rusev denied this. He said he did want a kid, but he wasn't forcing it on her. You know, he said he didn't want her to necessarily be a mother right away. But then Lawler asked if, you know, if this was really what it was about. You know, was Rusev wanting to have a kid? And then Lana said no. Well, then why are you complaining about it? So she goes on to say that Rusev was cheating on her, and that's why she was doing it. And it was Lashley that was the one that told her. Rusev was like, what? I can't believe this. And then uh, he basically uh, accused Lashley of talking, you know, the S word. I'm not going to say it uh, out of respect for Matt, you know, making his recovery. But uh, basically, he, you know, him and Lana started arguing. Lashley's music hit. He came to the ring. He was in his gear. Uh, the crowd's chanting Rusev Day as Rusev goes after him. Rusev starts beating him up. He dodges a spear, gives him a and drop. He removes his, uh, his wedding ring. It looks like he's going to shove it in Lashley's mouth. I'm not sure if that's actually what he did. It looked like it. Maybe he shoved it up his nose. Who cares? You couldn't see. Uh, but while he's doing this and attacking Lashley, he starts putting the boots to him. Lana slides in the ring, and she's got a kendo stick. Uh, I guess she got from under the ring or something. Um, she starts whacking Russo with it. Rusev doesn't even sell it. He's just not even paying any attention to it. So he turns around and just looks at her. She goes to hit him again and he catches it. And he's, you know, saying like, oh, you screwed up now, Lana. But, you know, well, Lashley comes up behind him and you can kind of guess what happened to this point. Lashley hits him with a low blow. The crowd boos. Lastly, backs in the corner, hits him with a running kick to the balls again. Lana grabs Lashley. They start making out in the ring right over top of Rusev. The crowd boos, and the show goes off the air. <sighs> okay. This is a really dumb segment. But like I, I told Matt when we were in a groove text after this went off the air, I didn't like the segment, but... I liked Rusev and Lana in this. Now, I said I would have enjoyed this segment 
if it wasn't so stupid. And what I mean by that is Rusev and Lana's motivations make absolutely no sense. And I don't know who's writing this and if it's Vince McMahon who's like overseeing this, if it's some, maybe it's a dumb writer who, you know, mistake, you know, mistook madness for insanity, you know, in the Aleister Black promo, you know, maybe it's the guy who's writing Seth Rollins storyline who's, you know, which is also very stupid. I don't know. But Rusev and Lana's motivations here are so dumb. Uh, they played their roles well in, you know, talking. Lana was great on the mic. Uh, she's always been really good. Rusev did a great job. He got the crowd, you know, on his side at one point, you know, for being a sex addict. But hey, he got over. <laughs> but it's just so dumb because it makes zero sense. Because, and I think it's easily fixable. It's not far off. <laughs> It's very understandable to say, like, Rusev wanted to start a family. Lana didn't. Maybe she didn't tell Rusev this. But Rusev is, you know, he's having a lot of sex with Lana because he's trying to be a father. And, you know, maybe he's in the wrong for not, you know, you know, maybe Lana didn't let him know that she's not ready for it or something. And Rusev didn't pick up the signals. He didn't read it right or whatever. Men make mistakes. You know, it's something that you can get over. and. You know, maybe she even accuses him of being a sex addict. Maybe Bobby Lashley has brainwashed her and said, Lana, you don't deserve to be treated like this. All he does is want to have sex with you. He doesn't want a baby. He doesn't want to impregnate you. He just wants you for sex. He's an addict. You know what? I bet he's even cheating on you because he's an addict. And that's how Lashley gets into her head. And Lana, you know, not wanting to go with it, she turns over. It doesn't make Lana a good person. It doesn't even necessarily make her a victim. If they wanted to make her a victim... They could say she was brainwashed by Lashley somehow. I don't know, but she's clearly not a victim so far. But you could have easily spun it that way and made it make a little bit of sense. Like, Rusev should be the innocent person here. He shouldn't be just a sex addict who is like, yeah, I want a kid in the future, but I'm not forcing you to have a kid. I just want to have sex with you, Lana. (laughs) All the time, everywhere. Like, don't, I mean, I know it got over with the crowd just because they're probably over the stupid story anyway and think it's funny. But make him, he should be the good guy here. He should be the innocent one. Uh, And, you know, just being a sex addict doesn't necessarily make him innocent. Um, Like I said, make him wanting to have a family. Maybe he miscommunicated with Lana and she's taken it the wrong way. And then Lashley got in her ear and gave her the bad information. And that's what turned her. And, you know, that's what started this whole thing. Then it would make sense. It's like, okay, they were having trouble at home. Lana, you know, Lashley got in her ear because Lashley wanted Lana all for himself. And, you know, he slid into her DMs or something on Instagram. He got into her ear. He put this in her brain. He brainwashed her. And now she's evil and on his side. It would make sense. But no, it doesn't make sense in the form it has it now. So that's WWE for you. (laughs) Taking something that's not that far off that could probably make sense. And they just throw it together. And it's just stupid. Like I said, even Lashley and King, even Jerry the King, they were great in this segment. Everybody did their roles great. They all like cut good promos. They're all good on the mic. But the material and whoever's writing this is stupid. It makes no sense. So that's why this segment was so dumb. It was the main event of the show. And the ratings came out today. And, you know, it it was kind of said that, you know, uh, maybe this they, maybe this will be a success. This was like advertised, the big segment. It's the story they've been pushing, you know, on Raw. You know, maybe it'll get over. Who knows? Maybe it'll get a lot of eyeballs in the show. Uh, they've been plugging it. So what would happen? Basically, what happened was the ratings went down the entire show like it normally does. And the third hour was, was the lowest rated. So this segment did absolutely nothing for Raw. It was dumb. Rusev got beat down again. I mean, he had the upper hand, but of course the heels won in the end. So they're standing tall. So what is there to look forward to in this, this, you know, story? I don't know. Rusev getting revenge. Who cares? Revenge for what? (laughs) Like Lana left him. Like he's a schmuck for wanting to be with her. Like, so why would you cheer for him? So once again, WWE's taking a character that people love you know, try to put in some story that's convoluted and that doesn't make any sense 
And it's going to be the same thing. You know what? It reminds me. It's like a saying. You know, it's like madness. You try to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And you know what? Never works that way. So WWE, you're just mad right now. You're crazy. You're insane. So that was Raw this week. That was the final segment of Raw. My thoughts on the show as a whole, it was a very skippable show. It was fine. There were some good matches. Obviously, like the Becky Lynch, Kyrie Sane match was good. Uh, a lot of nothing matches, like the um, Buddy Murphy, R-Truth match, the Viking Raider squash, Andrade Sidcara meant nothing. Charlotte Iconics, who knows what that meant. Rollins and Eric Rowan, uh, it happened. I mean, it was just a filler match for, you know. I mean, but at the same time, there was AJ Styles and Berto. That was pretty good. Um, Ricochet and McIntyre was pretty good for what it was. And like I said, the Becky Lynch, Kyrie Sane match was good. It was just another average, you know, average to below average Raw, I would say. So if I had to grade it, I would just give it like a C minus. It, I mean, even the good matches weren't like amazing. They were fine. Like I said, the the McIntyre Ricochet, which is a good match, the longest match on the show, had a horrible finish. So it wasn't even that great. So I'm giving Raw C minus this week, and I think C minus is pretty generous. It wasn't the bad stuff wasn't horrible. It was just nothing, or it was either bad or nothing. Like it wasn't, you know, like I was pounding my head against the wall like I normally do, but just a nothing, nothing show really. Not like a whole lot to ride home on. You know, we'll see where they go in the next coming weeks. Uh, they're SmackDown this week, but me personally, I'm still looking forward to Wednesday Night War because that's what's been the most entertaining thing to watch. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So that was the review for Raw. Let us know what you think. Come in the comments, shoot us a message on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what you thought of the show. Let us know what you think of our show. Um, which, you know, see how we're doing comments on anything you got, you know, you want to ask a, a question, anything, anything, uh, we'll eventually answer it. Uh, our Facebook and Instagram accounts are at Russell life radio. Twitter is Russell life pod. Uh, you can follow Matt on Instagram and Twitter at Russell life, Matt. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Russell life heel. You can follow me on Instagram at Kyle.poly. You, you can reach us any way you want to. Uh, you can listen to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Radio Public. Um, you know, follow us on Facebook. That's the best way to you know get our shows every week. Uh, share you know our our Facebook posts. Share our you know links. You know, just get the word out. You know, let us let us know if you like the show. Um, just hey, stay stay in contact with us, and um, we just hope you enjoy the show. Again, this is episode fifty one of Russell Life Radio. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday with the AEW review. We've got NXT review coming this week with Chris. Matt's going to be with you, hopefully, once he's made his full recovery from that injury of death. If he <laughs> comes back, he'll uh, be here on Friday to review SmackDown for you. But I'm Kyle Polly. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll talk to you later. See ya.